welcome to In the Abyss, a Norway special. Um, naturally, we're recording this from a wooden shack in the Norwegian wilderness, keeping warm by burning church pews, eating raw meat from the carcass of an elk. So um, this week, I'll be known as the mighty Raven Dark. The usual two are here as well, and uh, returning for another stint this week is, is Adam Brennan from Music Radar and, and Metal Hammer. Adam, welcome to the Blastrike. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 you didn't give me enough time to think of some cool black metal names. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what gives? You, I, I, I wasn't told about this. I would have thought of something. I am Mighty Raven Dark. That's all you need to worry about. Right, I'm going to go and find a, a, an immortal uh, <laughs> song quickly. <laughs> Sorry to drop that on you, but you know, sometimes you have to, uh, you have to take on these identities. If we're going to truly celebrate a Bath and his movement, then yeah, it's only right. But yeah, we. Um, we, we, we want to talk about Norway a little bit, black metal, obviously, and, and what else Norway has, has offered over the years. Um, it's surprisingly, it's, it's surprising not just about black metal, but obviously that's what we know the most about. Um, but we'll come to that in a minute. Uh, before that, I don't know what we've all been listening to this week. Adam, as you're, um, as, as you're back for, uh, for a second stint, what's, what have you been spinning this week? Uh, the new the new ingested album that came out today i was lucky to hear that a few weeks ago uh I, like probably my favorite death metal album of the year really really good um mm. uh just really exciting pushing things forward i think um uh, and then obviously for this special i've been listening to a fair bit of black metal but uh my favorite black metal band probably as it turns out are wolves in the throne room who are american and nothing actually nothing to do with Norwegian scene, but uh, as we'll come on to later, I think that's a big reason why they're my favourite. So listen to them, and uh, and actually the new new Devin Townsend that came out today, I mean enjoying. It's it's kind of like a a fairly standard Devin album to be honest, but um, you know, and I, I like it uh, nonetheless. I I really like it. I think it just sounds all so warm and cuddly and yeah. You know, it's uh, it's the kind of thing he does really well. Really, I've, I've listened to it a couple of times today, um, and uh, yeah, it's good. And then that ingested album as well. I get one listen today quickly in the car, but yeah, it sounds sounds good. It's it's got a really nice mix of some old school death metal, new school death metal, a bit of hardcore and a bit of groove. It's yeah, totally. Yeah, really, really it's fun. a good review. Is a nice nice nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, they're good ingested. I think they're um, I think they've got they've got a big future. They could. You know, they could do a lot. I think uh, Matt Heafy from Trivium is on that album as well. Yeah, he? he's on the new album. Yeah, it's someone else on there as well. Um, There's but, a couple of guest spots on it. Yeah, they've got a couple of guest spots. And uh, I believe they're just going on tour in the States now um, with Lorna Shaw, who like not a huge fan of, but they've been really tearing it up. Um, so they hopefully get, you know, the, the, everyone, everyone in Britain seems to, to dig them. They're, they've been doing all the all the shows here. So it'd be, it'd be nicer if they kind of uh, went on a big, you know, got, got a bit, you know, got a bit more acceptance elsewhere. Cause yeah, I think that'll be, um, that'll be some really good exposure. Yeah. Cause Lorne and Shaw, yeah. are, they're, they're on the up, aren't they? I, I, just, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a fan, but. They're just absolutely huge. I mean, I went to see, um, I went to see uh, uh, Decapitated on Wednesday. We were like one of my favorite death metal bands ever, but they were playing on a bill just filled with death core bands. You had like despised icon and, um Oceano and uh, and Distant and but like it's just it's really strange how um Deathcore which I I almost felt had run out of ideas like over a decade ago has just had this this mad resurgence um and Lorna Shaw seems to be the kind of the poster boys of it and it's just really helped bands like 
you know, despised icon and um, uh, and and some of the some of the old guard get you know have a, have like a second wind almost, and they just seem to everyone just wants you know pig squeals and um, and just chuggy breakdowns. And that's kind of like for, like for four hours every night. Uh, that's all they seem to want, and people dig it. So you know, well, it cool. can only be a good thing if it gets gets exposure. I mean, to be fair, Lorna Shaw, uh, Bloodstock in the summer. The, Outside the headlanders, they probably drew the biggest crowd, mm. you know, and that's like a you know a, a metal faithful kind of festival. So, yeah, they, they're on the up. Fair play to them. It's you know, it doesn't really do it for me, but no, but yeah. Um, and what um, what have you been enjoying this week? Oh, I think enjoying is a bit of a choice word actually, but yeah, I've been mainly wallowing in the Norwegian stuff in preparation for this week. Um, so just bits and bobs, really. Just you know, mayhem, emperor, immortal, um, Dimmu Ball Gear, um, new Dark Throne album. Gave that a go. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Black Mail's a tough listen, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've probably probably overdone it this week. To be fair, but I was trying to get myself <laughs> in the mood for tonight, and that's and and I thought, well, this, that's how I sound at the moment with this coughing bug, basically. So I thought I start singing along. <laughs> Yeah, like that, basically. Yeah, um, if, it, if it sounds like we're all dying on this, I'm the only one who's not ill. Everyone else has had some kind of ailment this week, so... Yeah, something, something from the depths of hell has uh, yeah. caught on. Um, yeah, so pretty much just that. And just some old-school Aussie, just to balance it out with some <laughs> melody. So, yeah, yeah, some form of, of listenability, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, that's about it. I've, yeah, I've just been sort of trying to keep it simple, because... Yeah, I've just been completely thrown for a loop by this bug and it's uh, knocked me out. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that time of year, mate. Padre, yeah. have you actually been able to um, enjoy anything this week while you've been chucking your guts up? Well, I've listened to basically about four Emperor albums. So um, even when I went back and listened to um, the demo, which is a Wrath of the, Wrath of, Wrath of the Siren. Yeah. Which is really rough around the edges but that's the the first emperor album i bought um yeah it's it's it's, it's all right you know i mean i've got i've got a lot of time for emperor um you can definitely see the progression as, yeah from like uh in the nice side eclipse and then it's quite a jump forward to anthems and then yeah, equilibrium yeah. nine is equilibrium nine is very polished and yeah. I, you know, I do love some of the uh some of the song titles in source of in chaos is a great great title for a track um and uh yeah just to take the edge off um alice in chains unplugged that's that's definitely going to the other extreme that is yeah but what an extreme though i mean great album it is it's the best of the lot i, mean, I, mean, I think i didn't know yeah. this yeah i didn't i didn't know this um i looked it up um and i was looking up the unplugged stuff because i was like well who else has done unplugged and you know, obviously, a new Nirvana had done it. Uh, that that performance, it so Alice in Chains Unplugged is 1996. And that's like that was the last performance Staley gave of them before he died. Really? Or one of the last. Yeah. I suppose it would be. I suppose, yeah. He died in 99, but then he went off the radar. But if you look at him, if you look at him in that video, he is clearly sick. Yeah. From 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 heroin. Um, he's just he's just so gaunt. But my God, his voice. It's like fucking, how do you sing like that? 
You that's know? why I think that's why their unplugged is, is the best of the lot because his voice just lends him lends it to that that sort of style of music. Yeah, but then again, you go and but you go and listen to the same tracks on the album, or you go and look up a live performance. Yeah, it's just like, but like you know, even like the first song, Nutshell, and you just like it's such a, it's you know it's quite a simple song, but his, his lyrics just lift it. Yeah, his voice lift it. Yeah, really is sad what happened. It really is sad what happened to Lady Staley. It's like you know, and then I saw a picture on Facebook, and it's basically Scott Scott Reeland, Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell, Lady Staley, all dead. And you're just yeah. like, how how good would it be? If, yeah, Nikki Six. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, I'm not a big Stone Temple Pilots fan, but you know, I think you know you give Scott Reeling some 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 kudos. But like especially Chris Cornell and, and Cobain and Lane Staley, you know, I mean, yeah, almost. I think Did the sad thing is, the sad thing is with Lane Staley, it was towards by about '95 there was an inevitability to it. Yeah, like you knew. Yeah. You couldn't put him back. Cobain, to some extent, there was, but like I remember the episode we did a few months ago. <laughs> you know, the, the sad one was Cornell. I mean, because no, we didn't see it coming. No one saw that coming. No, no. Um, but like, can you imagine? Like, you know, we all talk about like you know, all, you know if Big Four touring. But what, what would it look like if you had a tour of Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and Nirvana? On the same bill, and then chuck Carl jam in there for good measure. Yeah, they just, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you'd have to. What, what, what would that look like? What, what, imagine like the kind of pop culture imprint that would be. Thing is, it's funny you say that because back then, like Pearl Jam weren't the biggest of the lot. Whereas you look at Pearl Jam now, Pearl Jam will fill Hyde Park for two nights. So you're talking a couple of hundred thousand people now. I wonder if Nirvana, Soundgarden have headlined Hyde Park as well, to be fair. And I wonder if Nirvana and Alice in Chains would still, I know <laughs> Alice in Chains do still exist, but if Lane Staley was still in the band, would they still have that level as well? I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I don't think it matters because there's the, there would, there would still be a large percentage of that kind of grunge crowd who would have a lot of love for that band. Yeah. Definitely. Um, would, would go in, you know, stand in, in the, in line to get tickets or whatever for hours to see that band. I mean, I, I mean that is for me. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden are two of the biggest what ifs because I never got a chance to see them live. Um, no. So no, every, and and, sound, sound, and again, Soundgarden is even sadder for me because they reformed and yeah. I was abroad. And they just never came out that way. And then he they they Chris passes away and you just like sad. You know? I never, I never saw them either when they reformed, and yeah, so and even lazier because they did play the UK, you know. So, but it is what it is, I suppose. It's um, they're one of many that we've lost, and it sucks. But at least, look, at least you can still go back and listen to music, you still enjoy it. So you might not be able to yeah, see it live, uh, yeah, but yeah. got the music to listen to. So, so uh, yeah. Um, what have I been listening to this week on a slightly less sombre moment? The new Devon Townsend as well, which is really good. Like I said. Um, a band called Tintagel that we were talking about the other night. Grindcore type of some description from Leeds. Possibly the scariest thing I've ever heard and some utterly ridiculous song titles. Sugar Horse. And have you heard of them? Heard of them? I haven't heard of them yet. Yeah, they might be up your street. It's hard to describe them, really. There's a little bit of, I suppose, a little bit of like Colt Luna. There's a little bit of things like Mogwai in there as well. And have a listen. I think, I think they'd be up your street. The dreaded P word. No, don't say it. Don't say it. Um, an Italian no, no, sort of... A good, a good sugar horse, yeah. 
<laughs> he's back. Um, an Italian thrash band called Evil Spell, which were uh, which were quite enjoyable. And yeah, where are they from? Huh? Where are they from? Uh, that I couldn't tell you. I can find out, but um, but that and yeah, loads of um, loads of Norwegian shit, like like the rest of us, really, as as much as I can possibly handle, at least, because it is um, it is small doses. I think is the is the word. Oh my god, have you seen the picture of Evil Spell? Yeah, but I mean, I've just looked them up online. Hang on a minute, I'm just going to put this in the chat box. This this needs to. They are very very metal. Yeah. Uh, and also very, very Italian. Yes, yes, very, very Italian. I mean, the album's called Padre yeah. Vostro. So it's, you know, it's almost named after you. Well, of course. And, and do you know what that means? No, not a clue. <laughs> Our father. All right, well, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> but to be fair, it's, it's quite good. It's quite raw. Um, but it's uh, it, it was good fun. So that kind of dirty sort of death metal tinged thrash, maybe even a no, touch of black metal. Me, sorry, sorry. Sorry, their father, Nostro Padre, it would be our father. Oh, I do. No, I'm, getting my, uh, I'm getting my fucking pronouns mixed up. Go on, sort it out. Sort it out. But yeah, worth checking out. Um, they're all over social media, so, you know, give them a listen. Certainly you, you know, in your country. They're from Milan, so um, I don't like people from Milan. You don't like people from Milan? No, they, they eat too much polenta. Right, okay. They've got an album <laughs> called Antisocial Satan, which just... Envisaged like just a just Satan just lighting a bin on fire down the park. <laughs> maybe a bit of maybe a bit of minor graffiti or something like that. I just thought that was just standing on the corner with a beer. Yeah. You want some? You want some then? <laughs> be a bottle. That'd be a bottle of white lightning or frosty jacks or something, wouldn't it? Or just some low level sit like like talking in the cinema. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's as evil as you get. Yeah. Might even have a packet of crisps. Um do you reckon, do you reckon that? That's why, like, Lucifer was actually kicked out of heaven to begin with. He was just, like, <laughs> dropping fag butts on the floor or something. Yeah, we can do about it. He's like, yeah, go on, get out. Go on. <laughs> I told you, you're out. Trying to keep this place clean. Uh, anyway, where was I? Uh, all right, uh, it's time for uh, Underground Band of the Week. Have I got a jingle yet? No. You suck. Ding. You're the musically creative one. Write me a jingle. Uh, what are you doing? Why haven't Why haven't you come up with a good jet? Because I suck. You clearly do. Yeah. What are you actually doing that's keeping you from doing this? Get on with it. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, all right, it's a band called Vicious Blade uh, from Pittsburgh, USA. Um, you can check them out, viciousblade.bandcamp.com. Um, it's sort of kind of death metal tinged thrash again. Um, fairly old school sounding, but it's um, it's good fun. It's, it's quite raw. It's pretty filthy. Um, female vocals, by enough, she sounds quite similar to Angela Gossel. Um, but the uh, the music is you got a bit of creator in there, you got a bit of merciful fate, a bit of Celtic frost, stuff like midnight, even I know, even hints of napalm death at times. Um, artwork's really cool, it's all it's all very uber metal type thing. So, I'll uh, I'll be I'll post links over um social media over the week. Uh, and give them a listen. The current release is called Siege of Cruelty. It's a five-track EP. Um, I think it came out in 2021. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, definitely worth checking out. I don't think they've played outside of the US or anything like that, but yeah, check them out. Who knows? But very, very enjoyable. Let's go back to the lack of a jingle thing, so I'm not happy. Um, <laughs> are you, this, this lack of a jingle thing, right? What are you waiting for? Do we need to get Bob Rock in for you? 
What do you want us to do? Like, like rent out one-on-one studios for like a year to record the fucking thing. And by the end of the process, three of us will be divorced. Like, for fuck's sake, just get on and do it. What do I, what do I record it with? Fuck it. Go out and get the equipment. I'm not spending money on stuff at the moment. Use your fucking phone. <laughs> I, I, I'm expecting a jingle from you, definitely. You, you, you've, the gauntlet's been laid down now. You offered something half-assed <laughs> version of a jingle, but... You get yeah. it done by the end of next week. I'm fucking calling Rick Rubin. He ain't gonna help. No, he will. He will lie on a bed. He will lie on a bed, right? And he'll bring them the jingle and he'll just go. I'm not liking this. Go back and do it again. <laughs> He's coughing. Anyway, should we uh, should we crack on with this? Why we're here tonight? Here to talk about Norway because it's uh, it's sort of kind of getting round the, uh, the 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 Scandinavian whole package. Really, um, we did Sweden. We did. Finland, but Norway is the one that will probably polarise opinion a lot more, I think, um, because from a musical point of view, you know, yeah, there's there's some great stuff that's come out of Norway, but obviously you've, you've got an awful lot of controversy, which isn't the case with Sweden and Finland. Um, you know, we'll talk about the black metal in a circle and all that kind of thing, but it's um, it would be wrong to, to, to pigeonhole Norway just into to that side of it i think there is a lot more to offer um it might not be as expansive as sweden and finland but it, it's definitely a you know a, a more interesting approach at times I suppose. um i think the first thing i get from norway is that i know black metal is, is kind of the center of it but it's a lot it's a lot darker than what sweden and finland offer sweden and finland gives quite a lot of power metal and stuff is a bit more upbeat but with norway it's a lot more gloomy, I suppose. Anyone agree? Bleak. Bleak. Yeah, that's it. That's the word. Bleak. Bleak. Yeah. E- even the stuff that's, I mean, like trying to find the, the, the non-black metal bands in Norway, you've even got like, you know, like trying to, apart from, apart from Aha, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, you know, it's just stuff like Blood Red, Blood Red Throne, Death Metal, very heavy, Red Harvest, yeah. Death Metal, very, 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 very dark, you know? So it's, it's yeah, there's that, that definite, um, yeah. Not not a lot of not a lot of uh, of happiness. No, there's there's very little joy that comes out of um, yeah. out of Norwegian music, and you know, trying to get through a, a ten hour long playlist of of Norwegian music this week. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's very little. I mean, you've got bands like Turbo Negro, I suppose, who are almost the complete antithesis of what you'd expect to come out of Norway. Um, a band that you know had a little bit of uh, I suppose a bit of a moment, didn't they? Sort of early two thousand, early to mid two thousands, they, they did quite well. But I don't think they've ever got the um, the respect they probably deserve for for kind of standing out there in Norwegian music, really. I think the singer died recently as well. I'm yeah, right. he did. He did. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but they kind of fit in with that Scandinavia as a whole. Going away from Norway just a little bit, the Scandinavia as a whole has got quite a strong sleaze rock. Um, seen across the board really with them you know Backyard Babies are still going Helicopters are still going Hardcore Superstar Crash Diet Hanoi Rocks obviously back in the day as yeah. well so I suppose they, they kind of fit in with that yeah you but, got like, um, uh, I don't know if you, you probably guys aren't, aren't into Heat um, I like Heat oh good man really good. yes absolutely love them and um, uh, and there's a <laughs> Uh, going back to the year before Lordy won Eurovision, there was a, a, a Norwegian like glam band called uh, Wigwam, um, 
and they actually also do the song for um, uh, uh, Peacemaker, uh, John Cena's sort of superhero program. Okay. So yeah, very just very camp '80s glam metal revival kind of stuff, which just I I, I really dig. I think it's ace. So uh, yeah, stuff that you don't don't expect from Norway, but then there's as you said, there's there's that whole that whole realm of of stuff in Scandinavia that you know isn't isn't just brutal music there's also yeah. that, that sleazy poppy stuff as well you've also got um, blood command mm. oh yeah you, you've talked about them before yeah so yeah, yeah. Death, death pop they call themselves but yeah sort of, pop. it's that sort of refused style punk but really sort of accessible and sort of catchy in a way but that's that's the thing that we're talking about with scandinavia that accessibility but norway definitely doesn't have that in in abundance does it mm. <laughs> You know, the, the, we may as well talk about the uh, the, the corpse-painted elephant in the room because it, it is it is black metal at the, at the core of it. Um, and that's the thing, like all those other, like I I found black metal when I was growing up the hardest the hardest thing to get into. Yeah, like just you read everywhere and everyone's like, oh, you know, this is the most significant, you know, sort of like cutting edge music uh, in terms of metal and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah, I can get into. I can get into death metal. I can even get into napalm death. I can get into to to doom whatever. Like there are those things I, f- I find are accessible stuff like that. But black metal, I found a real a real challenge to get into. It took me a lot of time listening to Emperor until I kind of went, oh yeah, I like this actually. So uh, yeah, it's not got that. You know, it's, there's very little in terms of like hooks or um, anything remotely kind of you can kind of latch onto. It's it is a it is a a tough old thing to get into. I think some of those hooks do come eventually, don't oh, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, when you get, when you get into it, you're like, oh, yeah. this is, you know, it's so, so densely layered. Some of it, and it's certainly your, your Dimmerborgers or Emperors and, and those sorts. Um, but there is there is a there is a groove to some of it. Um, have you have you, Adam? Have you listened to the new Dark Throne album? Yeah, I mean Dark Throne, especially in in more recent times, haven't they? They've become just such a, you know, I mean, so they, they got they so much so much different different kind of. Um, elements of their music and stuff like that but uh, especially in recent years very you know very very much more on the accessible kind of side yeah yeah and they, they can they seem to have, have, have lightened up the mood as well that they you know yeah. their promo videos are quite comedic and yeah and, and things like that um we'll come back to comedy in blackmail in a little bit because i think that's it's a it's a valid element of it um so talking about blackmail in the early days and you know obviously mayhem were probably the band that well not probably they are really the band that started it all um but there was there was that kind obviously mayhem burzum but there was there was a, a very much an underground scene well there and you watch the um the documentaries as well um this this underground there was quite a lot of tape trading within the scene in the, in in the 80s as there was in many other many other scenes around the world um but it was it was very different with black metal, but Mayhem wanted to to do something that was never going to be accessible, didn't they? That was their kind of their mo right from the start. When they didn't want to be accessible, well, that's the impression I got anyway. Yeah, um, I think maybe it's just because it was those people um, specifically. I mean, if it was anyone else, would it have gone a different way? Um, yeah, potentially. There was certainly certainly a desire to to push it as extreme as possible. I think they, yeah. um, they saw, you know, they heard the, um, your, your, your Celtic Frosts and Bathory's and whatnot. 
um, and wanted to get wanted to go further because that was it. I mean, the fresh stuff was, you know, going in that direction, but it's, it just wasn't wasn't far enough. Um, but when you think mayhem kind of kicked off in 1984, you know, that's that's right back in the early days. Bathory was only 83, so you know they they are. We can't really argue it. They are pioneers of of the genre as a whole. Yeah, I mean, if if, if you think. If you think of that, um, some of the, the information we've been sort of watching, that documentary, and you see what they were like when they were recording the Death Crush EP. Yeah. And that's not a black metal band. You know, the um, the drummer at the time. Um, but, you know, he was flat cap, flannel shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the pictures, know, yeah. It looks completely different. Yeah. They, 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 the look hadn't been sort of um, sorted out yet. They were focusing on the music which they did um and if you think of death crush you know the printing error aside where it ended up pink not red pink and red yeah 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 sort of um like, but i think what i like is is they they is they went with it they went with the pink and mm. and kind of rode that um yeah. there was a review of it wasn't there of death crush one of the first reviews that came out that said it sounded like captain hook fingering maggie thatcher yeah that was brilliant <laughs> it's perfect i think that's about as apt as you could get when you're talking about dirty raw black metal and this is the thing it, it was it was nasty at that point but they hadn't really gone down the the sort of satanic um completely misanthropic um no root at that point and they wanted to do extreme stuff but they were just young and enthusiastic and wanting to push a few boundaries, which they were really, doing. It was very punk, wasn't it? You know, it was. Yeah, that's it. Because I don't think Norway really had punk in the same way. So yeah, yeah. And of course, this was this was before Dead. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. They were just a young metal band wanting to be a bit, lot more. Uh, a bit of rest of them. Up. And there was a couple of other bands around the time that obviously never got anywhere. Vomit were one, um, and Septic Cunts were another one. <laughs> so it, you know, it, none of none of them were aiming for 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 the subtle approach with this, and see, you 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 can see the, those those early roots of what black metal became just coming out of even just the, the band names. Um, it was very very DIY, and I I I, I kind of really like that. The music may have been absolute dog shit, but I do like that that proper DIY ethic to it. Even I mean, it was it was also just not just the the punk stuff. I mean, a lot of those early black metal bands. I mean, like the Dark Throne's first album, Soul Side Journey, was death metal. Yeah, um, I think Emperor and um, oh, I want to say Satyricon as well were largely sort of death metal focused at the beginning as well. And it was kind of it was only really uh, Euronymous from from Mayhem who was just kind of like, yeah, this this is the kind of sound we should all be going for, you know, and yeah. developing. But it's uh, you know, like like anything else, you know, it was it it was it. It was just this. Uh, I want to say probably probably an organic process of people who just were in bands, and um, you know, eventually it all became you know it all it became the sort of self-defined sound. But as as you said, it was <laughs> just in terms of like energy and um, uh, and what they were going for was kind of quite plain to see quite early on. You you can't fault how how committed they were to their cause, either. You know they they. <laughs> yeah, but you can say that about the Nazis as well. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, um, 
Last, I mean, the last the last time I was on, um, someone actually compared Fred Durst to Adolf Hitler. So I just think, you know, let's let's keep those uh, let's keep those Nazi kind of things coming on. So, <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 uh, it's something we have to mention. I think I think the um, the, the right wing element of of that era, black metal and birds, and I think it's it, it's a horrible side of of what you know is very important in 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 metal and extreme music and that kind of thing. Black metal is massively important. It's a game that. Blackmail does automatically get linked with all of that nonsense that went on in the early 90s with the inner circle, the churches, and so on and so forth. It's, you know, anybody who's seen the movie adaptation of, um, of, of Lords of Chaos will, will know this. It, I think one thing that movie did was it, it glamorized it a little bit too much for me. Um, it, I, I kind of disagree. I thought, um, I mean, I thought a lot of the, the from that, the, as in, as in the one with um, Macaulay Culkin's. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people who were connected to the scene really hated that movie because they thought it was kind of taking the mick a little bit. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's that's what I got. It was just like it did make Varg seem like just a a pillock, you know, yeah. who didn't really know what he was doing and stuff like that. And um, I didn't get too much of the glamorization from it. I I thought it 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 made it bit for for me. It made them see which I quite enjoyed about the film really because I've always had this this thing with Norwegian black metal that I, there's a lot of bands I, I just dislike because I can't get behind their actions and, yeah. and what they stood for. And so to actually <laughs> that film and just actually see, well, I thought it was kind of like a, sometimes a bit light of a lighthearted take and taking the mick of what they were doing really, because they seemed to be rebelling against something and didn't quite know what they were rebelling against. That's what I got from the film personally. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the obvious angle is Christianity, but it, yeah. even that was, it, it just became domestic terrorism. Yeah. It, really, it, it, it wasn't about, really, it was just, yeah, like I said, just terrorist nonsense. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, that was further down the line. Yeah. I think um, we sort of, we'll get to, but um, lots of egging each other on, I think, is, a, is, a, is an aspect. But um, I, I, one thing that sort of has been throwing me, looking into this stuff is the anti-Semitism because right. this isn't, this isn't a country that is, that has a significant uh, Jewish population at all. Right. Um, 2019, end of 2019, there was less than 800 Jewish people in Norway. Wow. There would be more, but approximately 700 were killed during world war two during right. the Nazi occupation. Um, but it's, it's never been populated at all. Unfortunately, Sc Scandinavia had a very, um, anti-Jewish um, laws back in the day, uh, hundreds of years ago, and that's kind of stuck. And as a result, the Jewish populations have never really increased since that time. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a real significant minority. They're not a group of people that have a great deal of power in Norway. So for me, it fascinates me how they've latched on to anti-Semitism as a thing to focus on. Yeah. Because it doesn't, you know, I can, I can, I want to say I understand how other countries do it, but you know, when people want scapegoats, they pick obvious things. Yeah. And for me, Jewish people are not obvious in Norway as scapegoats. So I do you think it do you think it was just something that was um uh, an, an easy target to go for on a more global scale, but it, it would it would resonate with a lot of well, a lot of scumbags. I, I, I think you know, the nihilism stuff obviously went down a particular direction. I, I think it's simply a case of 
when they started getting more um, mythological elements into their music with the, you know, the gods and the, the Viking stuff. Yeah. Um, I think there was a, they knew there was an interest there with the Nazis. That's why the Nazis went to Norway in some way to sort of get, get involved in that. So I don't know if that association was just created, that sort of supremacy uh, thing. Because, I mean, we're not talking, you know, the, these weren't Vikings, these people. They were, they were nerds. Yeah, they were skinny, yeah, greedy, yeah, yeah. misfit nerds. I don't, really, I don't agree with the characterization. I don't think. I think the anti-Semitism has been over overplayed, and I think the 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 national socialist discourse in black metal got overplayed too. I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. I mean, I want if you look at certain studies <laughs> being done. Um, the, the, the common consensus is that even in a, even in a scene that's extreme as black metal, the majority of fans are unwilling to cross the threshold and engage with the radical right because it's linked. It would almost narrow their own misanthropy. So why 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 direct your hate against one small subset when you can um, channel it at the entire entirety of humankind? Which is, um, which is more of a characteristic of a lot of black black metal, which is which is misanthropy, and also you know if you if I mean black metal is not political. Once you bring in things like national socialist discourse and things like this, you're you're making it into giving it political connotations, which if you look at you've got to look at the very nature of national socialist tenets, and they are not in any way conducive to the things that were driving the scene in black metal which is one of sense of independence individualism none of these things are evident in national socialism okay if you want to look at if you these people that view themselves as being satanisms were were more inclined to view themselves as being like you know in in terms of the super ego they were the supermen they were that everything was about them there was a narcissistic element to it Whereas, you know, it was all about the power of the individual and the importance of the individual, the centre of their worldview. It wasn't about being a part of the collective, which is what National Socialism was about, which is what you can see in all the speeches of Hitler when he talks about the Volksgemeinschaft, which is the national community, the racial state. Um, so I don't think that um, the, the Nazism thing, it might have been there for some people, but it wasn't there. It wasn't. I don't think it was indicative of the entire movement, neither do I think there was the anti-Semitism thing, I think a lot of it's been blown out of the road by Camp Rishnad because he spouts off crap and it gets picked up. <laughs> but I think that's, that's, that's part of the problem that we're looking at is that, so, that black metal as a whole gets, gets pigeonholed with, with all of that purely because, because it, it's easy to do that because it's, it's, in inverted commas, it's black metal. So naturally all black metal bands must be racist or right-wing or anti-Semitic or, or whatever, but it's not like black metal as a whole. It, it goes off in all kinds of different weird sort of tangents and, and almost sub sub genres. So many bands do it. Well, they all do it very, very differently. You know, I mean, in all honesty, um, Satyricon and Immortal, for instance, don't really sound alike yet. They're both black metal bands. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's the same principle. They're not all, they're not all the same. Mayhem, Burzum, all that stuff in the early days. Yes, it was. There was that right wing element, but 
watching that documentary, certainly for the early days of mayhem, and and um, a couple of them grew up in the uh, in the, the tenement blocks that were being built new in Norway. It was that kind of that that sort of lower working class living. Do you think that had an effect on what they wanted to achieve musically? Because it was very much a you know, like I said, lower middle class, you know, living in concrete blocks kind of thing. It's did, did that have any kind of influence on it? I don't know. I mean, I mean, that's where um, Necro Butcher grew up. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but from it was what at the core I, of mayhem, really, it started it all. So yeah, but it's I didn't I didn't think that was the background of um, Euronymous. Not Euronymous, no. Euronymous no. was very much quite middle class, I think. Wasn't exactly. It? He was middle yeah. class. He was intelligent and educated. Yeah. I'm not, not saying Necro Butcher wasn't, but he he didn't come from a particularly neglect, neglected or, or or bad background. And none of them did. Um, but Necro, Necro Butcher, he was quite grounded, as we saw. Yeah, he, he came from a good, honest, working class background, wasn't it? But it was it was very much... It was very grassroots, wasn't it? But yeah. it was quite organic the way... This is what, what comes back to punk, I suppose. It's, it's, it's very similar. I, I think it added to the bleakness, but I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't know. Because I, I, th I think I think that misanthropy from Euronymous was one of the driving factors. Um, if you look at the the the, the Metal Headbangers Journey um, that Sam, Sam Burn made in 2005 and that, the additional sort of black metal 20 minute extra that comes with it. And um, there's actually some uh, Norwegian professor talking about it, you know, that you've got like, you know, Norway, it's, you know, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, yeah. uh, really high standard of living and stuff like that. And yet sort of black metal came from it. It's this very, um, and the, uh, I think it goes back to what uh, Padre was saying, how it's, how it, how it's strange, how, there's that nasty right wing element mixed into it. I think it was it just um, kids like kids who wanted something to do, and they wanted they didn't know they didn't have anything to rebel against because they didn't have World War Two to rebel against, or they, um, they didn't have the Vietnam War like their parents had to rebel against. It was just like okay, what can we right? We'll just rebel. We'll Satanism, and then they were like okay, let's let's throw in. I mean, they they talked to their admiration of both Hitler and Stalin. You know, just just because they were just like you know that how, how much more extreme you can get i think it was just a case of you know we we just what what's our angle and we just throw in all these these elements into it just to be as obnoxious as possible that perhaps punk tried to do 10 years earlier yeah, well it's right because like you know if you look at it few things are as transgressive or alienating or provocative as neo-nazism so if you're going to, if you if you want to get attention and you want to shock people, mm. then there are, then there are certain ways of doing it. And and even even if you're not a neo-Nazi, if you're starting to use um, either slogans or icons, it's going to shock people, yeah. especially in a country that was um, uh, occupied by the Nazis for five years. Also, as well, it's the same thing with the Satanism. It's you know in a, in a country that's quite you know kind of socially conservative to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Or tradition, traditional in some areas, you know the the, the whole kind of Satanism thing is really gonna, um, you know, get get you some, make you some hay, in mm. terms of getting you exposure. But I mean, I've, I mean, I mean, I read a quote and I quite liked this. I thought it was quite funny. 
um, in terms of like why you don't see a lot of like neo-Nazis in black metal, um, like, you know, on stage wearing the garb and everything. So even, even mainstream neo-Nazis often express confusion, disgust and fear when confronted with the bizarre sight of a corpse-painted orc-like creature vomiting blood in front of a swastika. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a fair, fair comment. I mean, have you ever seen a black metal gig where they've had Nazi iconography on stage and someone dressed as, a, as an elf or an orc? <laughs> No, no, and I'm sure I'm 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 sure like if you if you want to unpack some of the Wagnerian operas, there's you know like like, (laughs) there's there's some stuff you can you know make hay with, but um, I mean, but the only thing for me that in any way, shape, or form has any relationship between black metal and national socialism was this idea, and it's the same thing with um, extreme nationalism. It's this idea that the past was better, that traditional values are better, that the yeah. present is held, that the present needs to be destroyed, that we need to revert to some kind of ideal. And that the fact that you use very vague and ambiguous um, slogans and, and rhetoric in order to express that. I mean, that's, that's, that for me is the, um, uh, the, the link. But I mean, again, it doesn't help the fact that from a, from a visual point of view, I mean, people in Scandinavia are blonde hair and blue eyes. And, you know, you link all that with the Aryanism of the Nazism and stuff. And it's an an easy, it's an easy case to sell. It's an easy assertion to make. And and people are going to react to it because, again, Aryanism, blonde hair, blue eyes, blah, 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 you know. Um, So it's just, I, I I just don't, I don't think it does a service to it. And I don't think it, and I don't think you can say it's necessarily anti-Semitic either. I mean, I remember years ago when I was in, in a bar in Korea and I met I met some guys from Sweden who were mates who were visiting my mate Ian. And this one of the guys was talking to us about why he doesn't want to see a large Jewish population in Sweden. And he wasn't frothing at the mouth. He wasn't like going, oh, they're inferior or anything like this. And I'm not saying I agree with him. But he was so basic. His view was that the, the Jewish faith and Jewish culture is such an abstraction compared to Scandinavian culture that the two don't fit. Now, I know you can make a case for the melting pot and um, multiculturalism, but not everyone wants that. And I'm not saying it's right, but that's 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 what his view was. And you know, quite a few of us were like, hmm. You know, when you hear something and you're sat there going, well, he's not, un- he's not being unreasonable, but I don't think I agree with what he says. You know, he's not like, he's not, not being a dick about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that might explain to some extent um, why you don't get very many, you don't get large populations, as it were, in, in, in Scandinavia. I mean, there's probably a lot more to it than that. I mean, it's a, it's a complex, it's a complex question. I mean, I think... Based on my reading, um, I think first you can say that black metal in the 90s gave us, it's, it's given us really the only instance in metal where a subgenre can readily be linked to real world violence and crime. I mean, everything else is, and, and I, I came across this quote, it's called The Logic of Mundanity, and it's by um, uh, Keith Kahn Harris, author of Extreme Metal. Um, 
if you get it doesn't matter whether it's a deathcore band, a death metal band, a thrash metal band, we've all done it ourselves. The t shirts we wear, the the music we listen to, the the, the even like the stupid pictures we draw on our notebooks when we're kids and stuff, listen to metal and stuff. What we do is we play around with violent images. We play around with violent lyrics and we listen to music with violent lyrics and we look at album art that's got pictures of violence on it. And what we're doing is we're engaging with that violence either textually or visually. Okay. And that's how we deal with it. It's, it's, it's a mundane way of expressing it. It's a mundane way of expressing violent images and thoughts and ideas where it's not going to harm anyone. And unfortunately it does get picked up on by, by other, other groups and it's used as a cross with which to beat the metal community. However, black metal is one of the only times where someone's actually gone further than it just being mundane and they've actually taken it into a transgression and they've actually gone through with something that's actually crossed the line. Um, whether it be murder, rape, um, theft, burning a church. Because it wasn't just Euronymous uh, got stabbed by Count Grishnag. There was the um, oh, there was the Olympic runner that was murdered. He was gay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think is what I, I don't yeah. in black metal. I don't think anti-Semitism was as much bigger problem as homophobia. Mm. I think homophobia was a much more ramp, ramp, rampant problem. Um, so basically, this idea of this logic of mundanity it allows for engagement with violence and transgression, but through vi visual textual mediums, not real ones. So it's like it's a safe way of, of playing around with that. And if there's one band that benefited from having the best of both worlds. It was Emperor because they've always had kudos from being associated with those early days of church burning. They've never come out and actually said it was wrong. They've never come out and, and disavowed any of their um, uh, connections with it. And it's only helped them that people like Ishan and Faust and Samoth have done jail time because of certain things that are linked to it. And now they're also they also benefit from the protections afforded to them by the logic of mundanity. So they can say, in the past, we, 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 were, we were the real thing. We burnt the churches, we beat people up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now we just play around with these violent images and lyrics. Look at our album art. And they're getting the best of both worlds. And that's one of the reasons why they're successful, because they can, they can walk on both sides of it. I thought that was quite interesting. That's probably exactly the reason why they are the one band that, like you said, were true to black metal in those days, but have gone beyond it. They, they've they've transcended the whole black metal scene. You can say the same thing about Dimmu Borga, but they they were they were different. They yeah. were never part of this 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 element, so to speak. So, I mean, I think all four of us here we're, we're all Emperor fans. You know, yeah. they they made over the years they've made some unreal music, yeah. but they take that black metal sound <laughs> to a completely different level. Yeah, completely different. Yeah. My only caveat I'm, I'm, with Emperor. I'm, 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 Sorry, Anne. They're intelligent. They're intelligent people. Yeah. They know how to market themselves. They've got a good look. They've got a good name. It's a good name for a band, Emperor. You know, mm. it's like you know, you're you're a 14 year old. You look at the you look at the album art to uh, In the Night Side Eclipse, and you think, well, what is this? Look at yeah. it. It's like something out of Lord of the Rings. You know, oh, it is. So, and it, again, <laughs> if, if, but if you're in if 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 you're into fantasy <clears throat> or sci-fi, and you look at some of that stuff, you're like. In the night side of clip, I am the Black Wizards. What's that? Is that is that written about Sauron? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. You know, not that crap that's on that new Amazon TV show, but you know. When when you're gonna when you're gonna take something as iconic as, as Gustav Dore's The Rider as, as your debut album artwork, it's it's gonna have it's gonna have an impact. And but they they they've just got that classy element that a lot of black metal didn't have. 
it's it's kind of like you know it's it seems like like early dark throne and um and mayhem they're actually quite you know they are they're pretty it's it's almost like it, just because everything all the production is just so harsh it's i think someone described it once as like listening to a wind turbine um you know like it's uh or stuff instead of a jet engine you know it's hard but like emperor had that you know that's that's the reason they're the band that got me into it it, it was that there's there's a class to it there's there's that symphonic element there's the there are the, those hooks and stuff like that you know and 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 as you're saying Padre, just the, the whole package really um, my one caveat, really, with with Emperor is, unfortunately, I think in, in the Nightside Eclipse is the best black metal album. It's absolutely amazing, but because Faust is the drummer on it, and he's the one who murdered the the man, the homosexual man, yeah, and has never apologised for it. It's it's really I find it very 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 difficult still to listen to album. So I, for me, it's Emperor once once he was in jail and they got trim on the drums. I, I find it much easier to listen to anthems onwards. Yeah, uh, and and Prometheus is such a, you know, a pro, like a proggy kind of mad album, and it kind of paved the way for what Ishan would go on to do with solo stuff. I find it a lot more comfortable to listen to that. But um, it's yeah, it's it it is it is a just just to go back to what you were saying about like you know they they've got the best of both worlds. Um, it, it's kind of like because because of that association with the the drummer, and there was a big when they went they did one of the live strings during during COVID when the live streams and. Um, Faust actually came back and played a couple of songs though, and people were just a bit like, "Really, you know, the fact that he's like, say what you want about, you know, I'm going to change the track completely here, but say you want about Tim Lambesis from Azalea Dying, um, who I do, uh, uh, do do enjoy. I think they're good for workout music. Um, you know, he obviously went to prison for yeah. conspiring to have his wife murdered, yeah. and whether you. Uh, want to forgive him or not? At least once once he's come out and he's actually he he he, he he is whether you think it's genuine or not, he's apologised multiple times for it and is trying to make active steps to kind of make up for it. Whereas Faust has never, as far as I'm concerned, never publicly anyway, come out and said, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry for what I did." And I think from what I've understand, it was it's to the opposite, and he's kind of went, "Oh well, I did it," you know. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the scene have. I've backed him up for it, um, so it's uh, it is it is a real shame, I think, uh, because it, does, it has tainted in the lights of the clips for me, which is a shame because it is the best emperor, is the best black metal album as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you to be honest with me. I mean, I think for me personally, my favourite emperor album is is anthems because that's when they kind of broke the mold mm. of becoming something more more accessible. I mean, the intro. The oath going into in Trans Imperium, that kind of like eleven minutes is just it's sort of black metal perfection for me. The production's really good on that album as well. You can hear all the layers and all the strings and you know everything that's going on. It, it kind of sits perfectly. And like I say, they got more and more progressive. Prometheus is an album that is it's criminally underrated for me. I, I listened to it again this week. I haven't listened to it for ages, and it, I mean it sounds huge for a start. You know, it pisses over anything that Dimmy Borger have done from a, from a symphonic and, and progressive point of view. And you just now listen to it. I can hear things now that I didn't hear when I first heard it 20 odd years ago. It's, it's just it's an absolute gem of an album. And, and it's it's just underrated when people talk about black metal classics. See, see thing, thing that I sort of learned this week, um, which I didn't realise before, is how progressive black metal was 
mm. uh, musically right from the start. It's also have this reputation for being raw and tinny and sounding crappy. And yeah, you, you look at how overproduced or how slickly produced a lot of other metal is. But for the example of Mayhem album, when they were talking about recording that in that big um, concert hall yeah. in Bergen. Yeah. Um, because they wanted that big drum sound. Yeah. You know, that, that huge um, echo and, and atmosphere. But also with how they approach the guitar playing, the tremolo picking and whatnot, which they'd um, been inspired by the chap from Fawns. And these are these are innovations that we hadn't seen in metal before. Um, yeah. And this was happening, you know, from very early on. So yeah. whatever you have to say about music, it's, it is progressive. Um, it was um, pushing boundaries that metal hadn't pushed before. Well, massively cutting edge. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian Christie, who's written a, a big old book on, on heavy metal, uh, actually said it's the most, you know, the it's the, the most important thing to happen to metal in the 90s um, was, was Norwegian black metal. And uh, it's, it's hard to think of anything that's come, come since, really, that's been as any, any actual scene, any movement that has been as, as sort of uh, different. And as, you, as, as uh, Mike Ravendark was saying earlier, it's like, it's not just one thing. There are, it's, it's, yeah, you can have that really tinny sort of like um, raw, primitive kind of sound to it, but it's just gone off in all these different directions. And it wasn't, it's not like it's taken 30 odd years for it to do that. You know, you can look at, um, you know, the, the, the first couple of years and just seeing, seeing it all sort of creeping out uh, outwards, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it was, um, you know, Dark Throne or Enslaved going their way or uh, Satyricon going their way, um, uh, or, or you know, like Dimu and going in, going in those different directions, and you know, well, I'd say Burzum, you know, but that atmospheric black metal, which I actually really, really dig, but not Burzum. Just want to put that out there, you know. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's, you know, it, it is really, like you said, really, really progressive, really cutting edge, straight from day one. It is every now and then, and like I said, from listening to a lot of black metal this week, every now and then something just jumps out, and it might be something that I've never heard before, and 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 even there's there's some some stuff by even by mayhem i've never been a fan never been a fan of mayhem musically there's been moments i've enjoyed but i can't get past the vocals same problem i've had with, with dark throne to be fair mm. but every now and then when you listen to a lot of black metal over a period of time something jumps out and you think fuck that's 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 fuck, that's amazing that's it's like something that where where is it where in someone's imagination is this coming from and it has that that level of well, I suppose class. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it just goes another level above what a lot of heavy metal is capable of, which you know is, is what it's all about, I suppose. But the, the new talking about the new Dark Throne album. I mean, it's it's not Dark Throne that you would. It's not the same Dark Throne from '93, '94. Those days is is completely different. But um, the the ten minute song on that beneath the sea under the seas of the sea or whatever the, the fuck it's called that song it's, it's just it's, it's brilliant i don't know mm. how they've done it but it is a it is 10 minutes of, of just brilliance and i never thought i'd ever say that about dark throne but fair play to them it's it's, it's a work of art that's all i always thought there was when you look at like the lyrical content and kind of the themes behind the music there's almost kind of like some kind of like you know almost like a medieval saga to it, you know? 
Mm. So I thought it was quite yeah. refreshing. I mean, and that and that wasn't necessarily being done to the same extent. I mean, all a lot of bands we've listened to have toyed around with like historical references, references to like or songs based on things like H.P. Lovecraft, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, quite I mean, that's it's quite common. But you know, when you you know some of the stuff they they're writing about is new to uh, it was it was new at the time. It was it was it wasn't um. I've been heard before, you know, the album titles, you know, Anthem to the Welking at Dusk. He's what's what's the Welking? Who's what what's the night side of you know? And you're like what's what's the black <laughs> You know? These these are these are these decent decent album titles and um you know and we look at the presentation of the band and then you, I mean I'm not I know like everyone thinks oh it's like there's orcs and goblins and stuff like that. Well yeah to some extent it might be but then so is um uh Greek's um uh Peer Gint Symphony, you know, it's like that that is like trolls and orcs and elves are two Icelandic, not Icelandic, sorry, Scandinavian epics as fairies and dragons are to kind of Celtic stuff. So it's yeah, it's 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 pretty close. So you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean a lot of it is based on like the 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 uh, the stories of the Norse gods and Valhalla and things like that and Wotan and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they've got that that history. It, it gives them so much material to work with, doesn't it? You you can go nuts with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Enslaved probably do it better than yeah than anybody. How that band progressed, they got to, when they got to below the lights and then went to Issa after that. They just morphed into this sort of progressive metal monster kind of thing. Every, everything they bring out just sounds completely different. They're yeah. just as at home playing Roadburn Festival as they are playing Inferno Festival. You know, they they cross those <laughs> they cross those boundaries better than anybody. Incredible band. Mm. It's quite funny, like when you look back at like their early their early stuff and um, looking at those uh, album covers with the they've all got their Viking uh, stuff yeah. on. Not yeah. there's anything wrong with it. I love a load of you know Viking tinged metal and you know. But it's like I said to, to where they actually went and got to. It's just proof that you can have this, you know, this uh, this, this sort of dump of ideas. Whether it what you know there was or the the misanthropic stuff or the 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 Nordic kind of traditions and the and then all the Viking stuff on top, which kind of all form with black metal. And then to have in, enslaved go and do and incorporate that into it, but still make it such this this transcendental sort of um, evocative. Music that gets better on every, um, I say get better on every release. I mean, I, I think actually the last two enslaved albums, I think, are probably been my favourites. Actually, it's just and, amazing um, everything they do. Yeah, and again, like like a, a palatable band because they're not, you know, that they they I think them and in, uh, Emperor had a um, uh, split e- EP and yeah. stuff like that. But because yeah. they they were linked to all the nasty stuff that went on, and you know, I've gone on in interviews saying how you know <laughs> how silly a lot of it was, you know. Uh, and how a lot of people were just doing it for kind of exposure, whether they were actually musicians or not. Um, you know, it's just, it's made them, for me anyway, a lot more palatable and a band that I can really, really get behind because they they haven't got that sort of, that edge, that that that, old, that that smudge to them that's kind of tarnished their legacy in any way. They're, they're one of those bands that from this, this genre that I, I would quite happily, I would just sit and listen to, whereas mm. I'm not going to sit... <laughs> in my lounge with a, with a glass of wine listening to emperor it, it doesn't work but enslaved definitely and yeah i met um i met 
Grutal years ago at a festival. I think it was a Bloodstock. I was wearing a white snake t-shirt at the time. And that's all he was interested in was this massive picture of David Coverdale on my front. So all he was interested in, he kept on going out how much he fucking loves White Snake and they're one of his all-time favorite bands. And as you know, should, as it, as he rightly should, yeah. As he rightly should. You know, such a such a, a thoroughly nice guy. He, you know, he spent ages talking to us, hanging around for a chat, have a drink, you know, top, top guy. But I, I wouldn't if I saw Necro Butcher from Mayhem, I wouldn't have approached that conversation in the same way because of what you think about Mayhem stood for all those years ago. Mm. Like I say, it's linking the music, the, the art with the artist. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Well, they didn't they didn't do any of themselves any favors with that interview on the Sam Dunn documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they really, you know, just didn't come off. I mean, and and you know that this is the other thing as well, with, with a lot of these black metal bands when they're interviewed on camera. Um there seems to be um there's like a there's the public self and there's the private self. And this, the two seem to be in conflict because, you know, that you don't know if, if what they're talking about is, is real or it's a show. If it's a yeah. show, then it's not authentic. Yeah. If it's not authentic, why then do you get to turn around and say other black metal bands aren't authentic? What is this, what is this criteria that you're gauging authenticity on? That's a fair point. And so, um, like like Gal from Gorgoroth. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking Gal. Yeah, yeah. Not 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 just the Sam Dunn appearance that he did, which is it's it's so bad it's funny. If you haven't seen it, just type in Gal Sam Dunn documentary, watch it. The, the clip, um, the clip, the fifty second clip is actually on on YouTube. So yeah, you can go and see it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's in, yeah, but there's the Vice documentary. Have you seen that? Oh, that's hilarious. When they when they try and actually get inside his mind, and he's 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 not having any of it, you know, he's <laughs> he's just like, I I don't know how you would go about describing that person's what their worldview is, but he's 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 clearly a very thoughtful person. He's 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 put a lot of thought into why he thinks what he thinks. Yeah, but like there were there were there, but he has there's a legitimate dark streak to that person. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. You know, like he he has people have gone after him and he's defended himself, but then he's taken it too far. He's tortured them and yeah, kind of got revenge on them, and that's very much someone either trying to be to play up to the kind of Satanism. Or they are actually one. Not not yeah. because they're torturing someone because they're evil, but they're torturing someone because it gives them pleasure, which is, you know, Satanism is all about, you know, your desires, your pleasure. You put yourself at the center of your own worldview um, or your own world kind of thing. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. The, the one issue I have with these is that Gorgroth just were never that good of all these bands we're yeah. talking about. That, that's the other thing, wasn't it? That was the other thing. It, it, what it does is it enables you to have really bad bands who are just like, yeah, we're black metal. We we yeah. agree with church burning. And then they just get coverage. Yeah. And then they're going to shift a few units. And, you know, it's like there's always going to be some black metal band on some bill somewhere, if it's, even if it's on the second or the third stage. And, like, you know, those bands will get hoovered up and they'll get, they'll get shows and they'll never be any good. Um, and, and and bad black metal is probably some of the worst music, period. Yeah, I agree it. with that. It's, I, I yeah, 100% it's agree. so bad. I mean, this is the thing, you have to know what you're doing to make it even palatable. 
what Adam said earlier about it's really it's not the easiest form of music to get into. When I bought Wrath of the Tyrant, I had to sit down and and like hold myself to the singer. Right, I am going to listen to this. <laughs> Gonna give it. No, I, I want to. Li- I want to see what this is about. It's the same way I got like you know. Um, it's the same reason I got into certain like um, operas. You know, you kind of just like I know this is going to be an hour and a half long. I'm not going to understand all the words. But I just I need to see the whole the whole piece of art, yeah, in order to appreciate it. And it's not it's and it's not again it's not easy to get into. And people can be put off for lots of different reasons. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a very um, black metal is not a, not an easy sell. I remember the first time I played it to you, you were just like, "What? Get this fucking out of my car!" I was just about to say that. And when we're going back to what 98, 99, sort of round about that kind of 98. time. Yeah. Yeah, 98. And, and yeah, you played it. I just walked into the room while it was playing. And when when you come across black metal like that for the first time, it's just going to sound, like Adam said, like a fucking wind turbine or something. It was just <laughs> noise. It was awful. So it, it, it kind of, but there was something interesting about it that made me want to put a bit more effort in. And, I'm, you know, with some of it, I'm, I'm kind of glad I did. Certainly Emperor. But... We've mentioned a couple of times the, the humorous side of black metal. And I think, you know, there's, there's so much of it that's so bleak and so dark. We've got to touch on the humor. We've got to touch on Immortal and a bath. Because while Immortal have made some great music over the years, they are, or he is in particular, fucking hilarious. The couple of times I've seen Immortal live, he's just... he remind, he's, he's like the, the, the black metal version of Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth. He's just got all this banter and all this silliness that kind of it doesn't invalidate what Emperor uh, what um, Immortal do, but it just gives them a more accessible edge. And he's in a, a Motorhead tribute band as Lemmy, so he's kind of he's, he's kind of got the full package. The guy, he, I don't know. He, I mean, apparently, he's a nightmare to work with. He's got a drink problem and and all of that, but he's he's he's, he's great value and he's comedy gold. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think I watched an interview with him once at your house. Um, I don't remember explicitly what was said, but I just remember him gurning at the camera constantly. Yeah. Just keep turning to the camera and just give him the devil's horns. As if to say, yeah, yeah, stuff is hilarious. Yeah. There's, um, um, there's, there's a video knocking about, it's, it's, I'm sure it's on YouTube, it must be, of um, Immortal were playing a festival. I don't know where it was, but he decided to make his entrance by coming down a grass hill that was next to the stage rather than just walking out onto stage. And he starts coming running down and he falls and he, you just see him rolling yeah. down. And, it, and it's it's like even more that, spinal tap than spinal tap could ever be. Yeah, I think that's a that's a common gif if you search black metal on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Oh, it, it, yeah. it, it kind of it takes away from all the, the the nonsense that happened with the inner circle, and it just shows that you can make great music and not take it too seriously and have a bit of fun and all the crab walking he does on the stage and, and all that kind of thing. It's yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, you, you need that stuff, and it's, especially when you think about um, the inner circle and how it developed. You know, black metal did develop within that inner circle. We got to, yeah, we got to, yeah. we got to recognise that. Yeah. Um, and when it all came to a nasty head, that all stopped. Yeah, true. That all stopped. Yeah. They, you know, it, it was a, it was a shock to the entire scene, but it was a collective right. What do we do now? I mean, I think there's what maybe three three church burnings after that. 
Yeah, it all it all kind of yeah. went quite, it, very like, quickly, didn't it? I saw we in 1992, and I think yeah, it barely happened after after the uh, the murder. Yeah. Um, but certainly in terms of other nasty stuff, you know, firstly, how do you top that? You don't. Um, but also, it was a realization that well, we don't want to go down this route for everyone else. Yeah. The, the, mus- the music's what it's about. So let's focus on the music. Um, and maybe there is that sort of reaction to, you know, the, the, the I mean, like I say, we know what, we know what it was, that nihilism, that misanthropy was a part of it. Um, you want to distance yourself from that stuff um, and, and keep moving forwards. You've got to push other boundaries. Yeah. Because if you stay in this, you know, this very dark place, in your art that's well you can end up in the same place as the inner circle did yeah and when I you do that... when you do stuff like that when you play about and you focus on that stuff i'm not surprised it ended up where it did and i know you had you know i know you had three characters there but all influenced each other yeah yeah you know dead Euonymous, and bog you know collectively that's why it got to that point and okay no one else was like that but total self-destruction yeah that was, you know, but that that is what happens when you live in that sort of darkness. Yeah. So in some ways, you probably you need the comedic element. It's an antidote, almost, isn't yeah. it? You know, it gives it a sort of a, a, a lighter edge. But I mean, yeah. I think we're um, I think we're we're kind of ignoring Norway as a whole a little bit, and just kind of focus on black metal. So we'll we'll, we'll round up black metal a little bit because. What I kind of I think what black metal has, has taken on now, there's there's a lot of black metal bands still doing it now, but it's gone down a very different, a different way of delivering it. And there's quite a ceremonial feel to black metal these days, not necessarily just Norwegian black metal bands. Um, so bands like Watane who are Swedish, uh, and like Behemoth who are Polish, they do the black metal thing, but they they they've gone down this very sort of ceremonial route of Yes, we worship Satan, but it's all very theatrical and and it's it's all just fantasy rather than it, it being any kind of message. And I think 1349 are another band that do that quite well. Um, Satyricon have done it a little bit. But I think what black metal is now is very different to what it is then. There's there's other bands from outside of Norway, Imperial Triumphant are one of them, um, Blue House Nord, who are French, a bit more progressive. Um, Giara, Giara, Giara. That album is amazing. It, it, that band are special. Yeah. That's that's they are definitely a black metal band, and that's what that's kind of where black metal has evolved to now. So if anybody yeah. hasn't listened to them, um, go and check them out because it's, <laughs> it'll take a few listens. I think you know it's not, it's not that instant, but when you get into it, they're they're awesome. They're well, absolutely incredible. It sort of proves again you don't need to be satanic, no, or anti-Semitic to be black metal. But they've it's got about a shit, that no, haven't they? They're they're sort of masked and it's again, like I said, it's all yeah. very ceremonial, all of that. But it, it's not like blatantly evil. No, mm. you know, it's it's clever. It's got this thought to it. In fact, like most of the, you know, my favorite black metal is probably been released in the last couple of years, and it's things like Wolves in the Throne Room, who are American, and yeah. it's. Um, uh, Shamash, who were from uh, Switzerland, who've got this kind of, yeah, kind of avant-garde kind of side to them. And like you said, Blurnas Nord and stuff like that. It's like, it's, you know, once you've got like 
Fenris from Dark Throne and, and as you said, Abath, um, just making it funny. Yeah. You know, it's taken away that whole, you know, in order to be a successful black metal band, you have to be like this genuinely authentic, evil, horrible person, misanthropic and stuff like that. It's like, no, like the, the, the crucial thing is the music. Yes. Yeah, you know, if the exactly. music's good, it doesn't matter, you know, what your you know what your uh, background or, or or whatever is or where you're going from so you know it's it's the it's the proof will be in the pudding there's bands that we talked about on this podcast before um thunder and hooves uh, who are british there's only two of them um two albums out it's, it's, it's essentially black metal they're fucking brilliant spectral wound from canada are amazing you know that they're all doing great black metal now without all the nonsense mm. so you know it can be done. But I think we need to leave black metal behind a little bit. It's not all what Norway has to offer. Admittedly, it's most of it, but there are other points. I want to talk a little bit quickly about some of the side projects that came out of black metal that are as far, you know, some of it certainly is as far from black metal as you can get. Um, so Audrey Horn, Sarg and Blood Tsunami are probably the biggest three. So Audrey Horn is um, Ave Isdal, Isdale from Enslaved, King of Hell from Gorgoroth. Sarg is a King of Hell side project as well. Um, Blood Tsunami, unfortunately, is Faust. Um, and there was Zyklon as well, which was Samoth and Trim from Emperor. Yeah. Um, I, don't know if I, I don't know if you're familiar with all those bands. Yeah, those I heard Zyklon back in the day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Audrey Horn and Sarg in particular are just like hard rock bands. And it's um the audrey horn have, i think they've got seven or eight albums out now and they've churned out an awful lot of material over the years and it's they're really good a great name for a band for a start audrey horn i think that it works really well with the sound they produce and and it's just good old school hard rock you know if if, if anyone isn't familiar with them they're all over the streaming platforms to so go and have a listen but they're definitely worth checking out. And Saga, the same. I hadn't actually listened to a great deal of Saga until Gav mentioned it last week. So I gave him a go this week, and there's some really, really good stuff in there. Again, just good old classic rock. Out of the darkness comes light. Yeah. There's another um, two two more I'd, I'd mention. I'd mention I, as in the letter I, which is... That album's great. Yeah, Abath. Uh, I know Ice Dale was in it as well, which is yeah. it's like yeah, like a black, black and roll kind of album. Uh, and then... Um, I, I I guess the P word that we're not talking about is P R O G. Is that is that the word we're not talking <laughs> you can about? Say it. That, that's okay. fine. Okay. Well, uh, uh, Green Carnation, who actually is oh is yeah yeah or, yeah or Torch, who was who was in Emperor. They're like if you like your kind of you know seventies based prog rock. They're they're um really really like that. Uh, their last album came out during during lockdown. Uh, I want to say it's Leaves of the Yesteryear or something like that. That's awesome. Really really good. I go listen. I've heard of them. I've, I've, yeah. I've never listened to them. I think you know this is interesting. There's clearly a definite love for prog rock in Norway. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely. we we know how much of a black metal stuff went in that direction and incorporated those elements. Yeah. But and, and again, this isn't a metal thing. But that is how Aha started. Well, we were always going to come on to Aha. Yeah. We? So so go on, run with it. They, they no. When they first got together in the early '80s, they were a prog rock band. Right, they were, into, they were into the old school stuff. I think they was they had an interest in British culture anyway, because uh, they're um, they're fans of Stoke City. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, seventies. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. You, learn, you learn something new every day. 
yeah it's bizarre but um but yeah they started out as a prog rock band so of course they had the keyboards and whatnot but they just obviously in that climate early 80s they started realizing they were good at pop songs and then obviously relocated to britain and that's why they went international um because if they stayed in norway they wouldn't have done um but yeah prog rock seems to be a is it the folk thing is it the sort of the folk the folk element i think is, is definitely yeah 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 definitely the weird thing is with with Aha, they're, they're obviously Norway's biggest pop export. Um, obviously, they're not on the same level as ABBA from Sweden, but you you kind of there's similarities there, aren't there? You've got this this one huge pop band that had worldwide success, um, but it, it's very different. ABBA had ABBA have a definite influence on Swedish heavy metal, Swedish music as a whole. But you wouldn't say the same thing with Aha, would you? I, 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 I don't know. No, no. Um, I mean, they are they are Norway's biggest musical export. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they shifted a hundred million across the across the world. Fuck, really? Um, I didn't. I, I didn't. I had no idea they sold that many albums. I think well, maybe eighty to hundred, but I've, I've certainly found a hundred million as a as a figure. But yeah, that's that's how much apparently. But um, that's believable actually collectively when you think of what they are. Um, yeah. And I think in second place is Aqua, the Barbie. Oh, girl. Fuck. And they're half Norwegian. They're what not? Yeah, they were half Danish. Yeah, Danish Norwegian. So yeah, you talk about thirty odd million. And that's it. Jesus um, fucking Christ! I know. You, um, look, you, at can't... Black, you look at black metal, just like it's, it's big. It's just, it's tiny. Yeah, you can't get figures, and this is the thing. No, no. Unless you reach platinum or gold status in your country, you can't get figures accessed. So as much as they've probably made good careers out of it, I couldn't I couldn't tell you how much they've sold. Mm. But certainly not those numbers. That that exactly tells you. Why, why couldn't the Black Circle have like taken out some of those bands, like the Barbie Girl band? <laughs> taken out Aqua. You know, that, just like you know, tied them to a, a burning cross. I think Aqua yeah. was later than the the Black Circle, and I will. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Barbie Girl was is is uh, it, it's 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 grating, but I, they actually do have some really really good like nice pop. Oh, come on, no, 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 I'm sorry, you're missing. I'm, <laughs> no, no, I, okay, you don't have a lot of collateral with me adam because i went away and listened to your pod and your uh significant other f- from from the last time you went, and you've studied my ears with that pod stuff i prefer to that one it's cool okay. I, I i listened to that entire album and i sent i was sending these guys live updates as i was listening to it on voice message on whatsapp and even my wife would came and she, you know that song is it here comes the boom oh from pod yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she comes in, she just goes, oh, that's that stupid song they used to play at the hockey in Canada. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it's, it's just it's so bad. I mean, around, the, okay, the Deftones I was familiar with, fine, that was that was, all, that was no problem there whatsoever. Stop calling them the Deftones. The Deft ones. Deftones. <laughs> Deftones. A Deftone. Deftones. Okay. Well, just well done. Deftones. Fair play. You went in this seminar. It wasn't your thing. That's cool. That's very. From me, I love. Sorry, just what did what is it? What what's the point I made about break stuff? You you said you said that break stuff was was the um was that generations we're not going to take it. That's what you said. Yeah, and why is that Um, a bad thing? (laughs) (laughs) I failed to see why that's a bad thing. Why is that a bad thing? Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I was actually complimentary about some of the Limp Bizkit stuff. The, oh, other, okay. some of the, the rest of the material on that album, I'm sorry, it's his voice. Just, it just doesn't, yeah. But I like, know the, the it, it's, yeah, break stuff, 
the, the lyrics, the, the, you know, it's 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 very it's very much it's that generation's protest song, I think, to some extent for new metal more so than there's a lot of some of the corn stuff is um it's too kind of introspective to be a like a full verse like you know kind of put your fist in the air kind of revolution song but great stuff it kind of speaks to just people being like oh i've got to get up to school i've got to go and do this I'm sick of this crap you know get out of my face you know that that kind of speaks to them it speaks to the mood as it were I've got to go clean out my pony. Why are we? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Why, why, why are we, uh, we, we? We keep going back over new metal. We need to stop talking. Yeah, about yeah. Let's, let's go back to. What anyway, I, there, there was a point I wanted to actually make, but I found yeah. interesting. Um, so yeah, so both pop bands, they sell modestly in Norway. <laughs> um, they weren't, they weren't the big, the big sellers in Norway over the years. Um, if you look at the sales figures in the country, it's homegrown Norwegian speaking artists that have done the best and in particular um there's a uh a soprano by the name of Cicel Kirkeber who sort of covers a sort of folk christian sort of crossover sort of element right uh, she's, she's had a career for well over 30 years now but she was a teenager in the 80s and her albums in the late 80s when she was young they're the biggest selling albums in norway um she sold about 10 million across the world and most of that is Norway and Scandinavia right um, but yeah they they were more so than Aha she was the biggest big seller in the late 80s in Norway and you think you've got a country which is as Pajo said earlier it's socially conservative even if it's not like massively capitalist it's still a socially democratic party it's culturally very conservative um and how it does things for the collective good and christianity is a big factor of that because you're talking 70 percent of the population is lutheran christian yeah so when you've got this young woman making what can only be described as nice music because there's no other word for it nice music that your nan likes that your mum likes and that little girls like and that most people are probably listening to if you're going to ask them you're not surprised if you know a couple of blokes who want to be rebellious are going to go in that particular direction yeah it's the polar opposite yeah. Yeah. so i'm yeah when i learned about this 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 lady i'm not surprised that mayhem happened <laughs> and this is almost the difference between between norway and sweden like sweden embraced that pop music and ran with it and and there's elements of it all the way through swedish well god knows how many different bands whereas norway is a complete it's almost like the, the complete opposite it's just a reaction to it like you said it's Mm. rebelling against something that isn't really there it seems a little bit almost a little bit trite really what did they have to rebel against mm. there was also a, in the 90s oh sorry no the 80s there was a a, a ska pop duo called the monroes who sung in english but just based in norway the monroes the monroes okay fair enough that sounds a bit more Scottish yeah. than uh... yeah so yeah they didn't they didn't they, they panned over the uh, norwegian equivalent of madness the Norwegian, the Norwegian equivalent of madness. I mean, that's, yeah. that ticks all my favourite boxes. There, <laughs> I'm jumping on that when I, this is over. I think. I think what's sad is that um, they weren't related. They were just mates making music together, but they um, they both eventually got diagnosed with cancer and both died in the same year in 2013. So, well, thanks for bringing that one down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's let's sort of uh, dumb things down a little bit. Going back to black metal. Um, if there was a big four of black metal, who would it have been or who would it be? 
this is quite a tricky one because there's, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of sort of big names in black metal. But who would who would be the big four, and in particular, who would be the Metallica of the big four? I don't know about equivalent bands, but you have to say Mayhem, really, because yeah. without Mayhem, you don't have the scene. Even if I only produce what well, they didn't even produce an album with their classic lineup. No, true, true. But surely, surely Emperor sit at the top of the tree, though, don't they? Yeah. I mean, just in terms of like, like in terms of quality and um, and all the rest, I'd, you'd have to put Emperor in there. You'd probably have to put Mayhem in there just for their, you know, just in terms of what what they did for everything. Yeah. But then it gets yeah. a little bit tricky after that. You know, would you put? Dark thrown in there just because they were very much originators, or would you put? I mean, I'd, I'd rather put Satyricon in there because they, uh, you know, like they they are they've always been a, a black metal band, but have just done things on their own terms and, and just in like you know, uh, I think they were, I mean definitely the first first uh, black metal band to be signed to like a big label. Yeah, you know, they were signed to EMI and stuff like that, and um, you know, just from being just from being really good. So I'd I'd. Uh, if you're gonna put definitely Emperor and, and Mayhem, kind of have to be in there. But I'd I'd I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd like Satyricon to go in. Can you say Dark Throne are originators? Because for me, they they kind of jumped on the bandwagon, really, didn't they? <laughs> they did because I mean, I saw Side Journey was a death metal album, and then but I think I think kind of uh, a Blaze in the Northern Sky is such a. I mean, because what, what year did that come out? Was that I mean that was about ninety two, and you know that. There was a lot of just a lot in terms of um, yeah, not in terms of that was the first black metal album that was released. Yeah, basically in terms of aesthetic, instead of production and everything like that. I'd say that was, you know, okay, the, the, the bands had been sort of toying with all these different things, but I think that seemed to be the real first, um, the first big, big sort of mark, I'd say musically, um, and as well, Fenris is much like Abath. There's just He's been such a spokesperson, but also just, you know, it seems like an incredibly self-aware piss taker. Um, I, <laughs> I got a lot of time for him and it just makes, it makes for me Dark Throne a lot more palatable. But I, I think just because they've gone on and done so many different types of music, maybe, maybe there could be a case for inherent, you know, not just quite, you know, like if you look at sort of Mayhem, they almost seem rooted in that, those early couple of years of the 90s where everything was kicking off and then that one album. You know, they have done other albums, but it's just all about that. You know, Emperor, well, only did really four proper albums and stuff yeah. like that. So kind of containing it to that sort of space. I suppose that's why the two of them would would be in there perhaps more than others. Mm. I, I'm certainly going to nominate Dimmu Borgir because whatever well, you think about them, they're from a commercial point of view. Well, that's that was going to be my next point. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the Demise bands. We haven't really talked that much about Dimmu Borgir. And from a commercial point of view, they are the one band that have... Have gone beyond. We can talk about Emperor as much as we like, but Dimmu Borga have a genuine commercial appeal. You know, yeah. they they've done a performance with an orchestra, and their albums is all very polished, and they play to huge crowds and headline festivals all over the world, and that kind of thing. They've gone to the next level commercially, right? Musically, they might not be up there with the likes of Emperor, but you know, there there are there are. They're a proper full-time professional touring performing band. You know, they're not a, a project from a garage or, or whatever. They are the real deal kind of thing. So it's very hard to ignore them. But are they are they a real black metal band? Yeah, if you listen to that early stuff, yeah. I think so. You know, I mean, it, it, it was raw and medieval and weird. Um, 
and it had the potential, but they had to do that stuff first. They sung a Norwegian as well. True. Yeah. yeah. They, also, yeah they didn't go to English. They kept it native. Yeah. I think even now they are. They're still a black metal band. It's just it's just so radically different to what the original black metal sound is, um, and like like a lot of black metal, but. You know, there's there's no there's no denying it's still it's still rooted in black metal, even if it's I think what someone described as Disney black metal. <laughs> and um and I got no I got no, I you know uh, you know I say Emperor were the first black metal band I got into, maybe but actually it was Dimu who got into it. I just don't I I I still think you know like it's you know that it's almost just night and day compared to like what you know um a lot of what Dimu is compared to what you know authentic true cult black metal is but uh, it's still it's still black metal so and they, and they are the biggest black metal band you can't deny that oh yeah yeah they, they, they are by a country mile my, my issue with with Dimmu Borger I mean, I, over the years over the last sort of I don't know probably close to 20 years I've seen Dimmu Borger so many times live and from you know small venues to headlining festivals so I'll go back to Wacken in 2007 when they headlined Wacken and it was a huge show, massive production, loads of fucking pyros and the full kind of works. And they were unreal. They were so, so good. But coming to this year at Bloodstock, it was like they just rocked up, phoned it in and fucked off. And this is one thing that the black metal should never be is boring. Right. So whether it's, whether it's terrible or whether it's amazing, it should always have something. Yeah. But they were boring. You know, Dark Funeral, <laughs> Swedish black metal, were on the next day and they made Dimmu Borg look like amateurs. So... You have lovely armour, Dark Funeral. Sorry? I said they have lovely armour, Dark Funeral. Oh, I'll tell you what, that, the, the day they played the Bloodstock, it's, it's so like hot. 35 degrees and they are in the tightest leather, yeah. like, you know, head to toe kind of... That, yeah. They must have smelled bad. Yeah, I've, I've seen Dimmu be, be rubbish before and I, can, I guess I get with you on that refront, yeah. It's a shame because because they, they it's such a big sound, isn't it? And it's all very over the top and whatnot. It needs to be interesting, and if the band don't look interested, it just just doesn't it just doesn't come across. It's there's no it all just gets lost in the mix. Didn't help that it was still thirty odd degrees and blinding sunshine and black metal and sunshine just doesn't work. No, you know. So so yeah. I mean, I want, something else I just want to quickly touch on before we before we finish is the uh, the indecipherable black metal logo. <laughs> uh, we obviously we we've got our own one that was was designed by uh, by our voice of reason by Anthony. Um, it's on patches and everything, so we we've got that. But it, it's I, I don't even know where it would have where it come from. Why did they have to have these indecipherable logos? Some of them you can read, but some of them are just 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 ridiculous. I think they just want to be more extreme than the death metal, didn't they? Because that was it the whole point. Is they... It must be. Death metal was, were getting daft, but they were leg- legible. Um, but it was like, well, we, we, we want to react to that. Let's be even worse. I, don't maybe, know how, I mean, from a design point of view, God knows how it, how it went that way, but... Yeah. Maybe a lot of it was because they kind of lent... Those, that sort of logo lends itself perfectly to scribbling with a pencil on a piece of paper because all that DIY stuff in the early days, it was... They probably just wrote out the name and then started scribbling all over it. And there you go. You've got a logo. Oh, I mean, the, th- the fact is, I think even in those, I think those early black metal bands, they were all fairly legible, weren't they? 
Yeah, they were. Yeah, the really? Emperor is, is pretty legible. Mayhem is, Burzum is. You know, I suppose as it came a bit further down the line, it yeah. got a bit more, more ridiculous. It's, it's definitely a twenty first century thing where it just became ridiculous. The original Dimmu Borgen logo was nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that bitch. <laughs> it's just, it's just like it was just a blob. What the fuck was it? You know. So, and then they went completely the other stream, and it's just may as well just be Helvetica. I think was it, it? It might have. Maybe was it some grindcore bands that were doing there, stuff? Is there a black metal fonts package, like Word and stuff? Probably. Would I wouldn't be surprised. If there isn't, there should be. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you can make fonts out though. You just got to sort of um, roughly scribble what you're sort of wanting to do, and then yeah, yeah, just just blob. There are, just there are times where there are times when I get like written work from students, and I'm thinking. Is this essay the name of a black metal band? <laughs> it's completely fucking illegible. I'm like, you know, like you're 15, which means you can't write with a pen. You know? <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm not having it. Like, you should see some of the crap I had to mark earlier. It's just like, you know, you've got like 27, 30 odd essays to mark. And, you know, you, you're 15 in, and you're running out of steam, and then you get one and you've got to reread the damn thing four times because you can't read it, you know, and you're just like, whatever sorry no it, it, it's it's it, the the legibility is 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 a factor but the key aspect of black metal logo design is it's got to be symmetrical 100 percent. you've got to be you know as much as you can obviously you, you're, you're limited by the letters but a decent black metal logo is symmetrical yeah i, I would agree with that and that's okay. why i couldn't that's why i couldn't that's why as far as i'm concerned it's not a black black metal logo on our logo because i could not get that right that's why I just ended up with what I did. Well, the one the one I did looked like a Christmas tree. So yeah, well, I was basically I was basing it on that design, and I was thinking you can't you can't really have um, um, symmetrical design with that with what you did with that triangle. You'd yeah. have to have it all in one line. Yeah, and it varies. It was just taking me way too long, and I just gave yeah. up. So that's why for me, it's not a black metal logo. It's a death metal logo. But yeah, black metal symmetrical every time. Otherwise, I agree with that. I mean, I. I... I think I think Emperor was probably the best one. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and they use that E in the middle as well as a standalone thing. So, I think they they probably got the, the best of the lot. But um, look, we've we've done all the Scandinavian. Well, we haven't done all of Scandinavia, but we've done the three main countries when it comes to musical output: Norway, Sweden, and Finland. But just to round things off, which of the three has given us overall? Who gives? Who's got the strongest output? Sweden. Sweden. We can at least try and make an argument out of it. Fuck no, Sweden. Yeah, you're right. There's no argument to be had. Yeah. It's Sweden. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's Sweden. It is. Why is it Sweden? Just it, it's just too much. <laughs> There's so much of it, and yeah. a lot of it is quality. And you know, if I'm going to look at my music MP3 collection or whatever it is, I'm going to see more stuff from Sweden in there than I am going to see. From you know Norwegian black metal or, or anything else, you best, know? Best, best balance of everything. That's 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 a fair point. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this is a country that, that's given us everything from at the gates to in flames to yeah. It's, there's there's just there's just so much of it. Europe, you know. So yeah, well. Europe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's it's more varied than than all the others, I suppose. So there you go, Abba. We, we've 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 travelled all the way around Scandinavia, and, and after six hours of talking about I mean, it, speaking of Swedish stuff. music. So I'm I'm in I'm in Palermo at the weekend. It's st stuck in the Airbnb all four days. Can't can't leave because you know 
can't get far from the toilet. And uh, my wife and her friend, or our friend, they're off out having fun. And they come home periodically. And uh, they they come home and they want a break between getting back and going back out again. So, like, you know, they, they come in and they're, oh, let's keep Anthony company. and um, Or keep Padre company as well. And, um, they, you know, so we've got, like, in the Airbnb bedroom, there's the there's the TV and it's got, they had a fire stick. It, well, do you know what they put on? Mamma Mia. So oh, I'm, there, I'm, I'm there, like, you know, semi-lucid, you know, and having to watch, you know, Mamma Mia. So, again, like, you know, thank Sorry. you, wife, and uh, my uh, good friend Shannon. Fixing that on me. No, I, I'm sorry. That film has to be watched just for Piers Morgan singing. I'm off. I'm off. Oh Fuck yeah, it is. I'm it off. is a thing to behold. Well, the, the scary thing is, is that apparently there's a sequel, and they somehow managed to crowbar the song Waterloo into it, which I don't know how how they're going to do. It's just like like they'll be out on the balcony talking, and then they just start singing, and it's like. I, you this know, is what just, I fucking hate about musicals. I don't get it. How you can be having a conversation and then just suddenly break into music. It's absolute fucking bollocks. I fucking hate musicals. And you will never talk about musicals again on this fucking podcast. Adam, do you think this becomes a spiral Mamma Mia? I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Mamma Mia. Um, <laughs> musicals I like tend to be like the Book of Mormon and uh, uh, Avenue Q, which are kind of a little bit more... Taking the mick. To be fair, I went to the Avenue Q years ago and it was hilarious, but that, that's as far as it goes. Yeah. No, I, I love no, ABBA, but Mamma Mia is not for me. What if there were, what if there was a musical about black metal? Um, I mean, the you wouldn't know because you wouldn't be able to decipher the title. Um, you wouldn't go to, you know, I mean, I'd watch it. Let's be honest. I'm not how, sure how that would work. If it had, like, start dancing on the if, street. If it had music, akin to like Rogers and Hammerstein. But oh right. So so it would be about black metal, but the music wouldn't actually be black metal. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like what have you done? (laughs) Now I'm on board. I'd probably have to watch it actually. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber teams up with like Elton John and they they come up with uh, a um a West End smash. What firstly what would you what do you call it? I am the black wizard. Uh, yeah, it would have to be something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I think that works actually. That works perfectly. So if, um, if, if Andrew Lloyd Webber, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, um, there, there, there's your next project. Look, it's not a big step up, Andrew. Okay, listen, you wrote you wrote a musical called Phantom of the Opera, right? Now we're still dealing with like the more macabre side of stuff, which is it's not going to have Sarah Brightman in it. Okay, just. Get, get sit at the piano, call your friends, write the fucking thing. Okay, I'll go. I'll go sit. Oh, hang on, Transylvania Hunger is uh, as dead. <laughs> Vampire based. Vampire Transylvania based. Hunger works definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, Adam, while you're away, we um, we agreed that out of the three Scandinavian nations, Sweden have uh, have got the strongest output. Are you uh, are you in line? With that? Yeah, it's it's. Um... As much as Norway isn't just black metal, um, I just think like Sweden, there's this there's so much, you know, there's your death metal, there's melodic death metal, there's progressive metal, there's ghost, there's there is there's some really good black metal as well. Uh punk, you know, like I I completely agree with uh with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, I mean, Finland doesn't do bad, and we've covered Finland, but Sweden it's just yeah. well, I've it's got my cult of Luna t-shirt on, so that's my uh the, di- the difference with Sweden, Finland and Norway, Sweden and Finland have, have given us a lot more variety 
like yeah. we've said tonight, you know, a lot of Norway is so the music is so bleak. It it, it kind of it, it sort of pigeonholes and stuff like that. But everything from from Europe to out the gates, Sweden has given us. Mm. It's just given us so much. Um, I I I picked up um, Europe's Out of This World on red vinyl this week, second hand, and it had a um, sticker in the top corner from its original sale of one pound twenty five. I paid 15 quid for it, but, you know. <laughs> That's just inflation, mate. Exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so there you go. I, I'd actually um, go as far as to say that Sweden is the best country <laughs> in terms of metal. I, I, think, I, would, I would put it, put it above the States, I think. I think, I think I'd be inclined. When you think, you think the population of the States and the population of Sweden, with what Sweden gives us compared to America, I think, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah. Um, you know, years ago, I had a Swedish section in my CDs. It wasn't in alphabetical order. I had a Swedish section. I've never done that with any other country. No. It's remarkable when you think about it, actually. But it, given, just go back to, isn't there, I mean, I know, I, I can't remember which Scandinavian country or something to do it. Like, they do um, give grants to, to young that Sweden. People. That is Sweden, yeah. is it? They don't do that in Norway, then. They, no, they, I, I don't know if they do it in Norway, but they, yeah, that is Sweden. And, um, and they've, we, got, um, they've got variations. They've got variations on a theme um, in, in in Scandinavia. I think Sweden does it through grants and other other means. We we'd have to go back and look that up. Um, but when we were talking about Finland, Finland have got quite an expansive music curriculum in, in state schools. Yeah. Plus, they've got state funded um, kind of like musical conservatories and stuff that people can go to to learn in, instruments and singing and things like that. So. The, the the teachers, uh, music teachers in the in the, in Finland have got much more scope to choose the music that they want to teach. Um, so you are going to have people that might you know look at maybe not teaching kids about death metal, but they're going to get exposed to something along those lines. Um, and this you know I mean and again we we were talking about this when we, we talked about Finland, but. Like, you know, it's, it's all well and good listening to Mozart and Beethoven and Vivaldi and things like this. And, you know, I like all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. But when you've got a room full of 13 or 14 year olds and you're trying to go into music about them and what a broken arpeggio is or whatever it is, you know, you're teaching. So, you know, maybe some kind of like common ground might might work, you know, there. Maybe make, maybe make it a bit more relevant. You know, it's... Uh... This is where Aqua come into it. <laughs> On that note, I think we'll, uh, <laughs> I think we'll call it a night. Fucking hell. Fucking <laughs> Aqua. Um, I, do, I, I, I do believe, just on the, the subject of Aqua, um, there's, there was a song that Devin Townsend pulled from his new album, from Lightwork. Um, because yeah. so it, it, it sounded too much like Barbie Girl or something yeah. like that. I, mean, yeah, at some I read point, that earlier, yeah. Yeah, at some point this song is going to see the light of day, I'm sure, but... It had to be pulled from the album. I think that might be why the album kept getting delayed. Um, I don't know if they if they contested it or, or what, but I, I, I need to hear that song. I'm yeah. gonna have to listen to it now. Listen to the album, it's really good. It's it's it'll it'll, it'll make you feel all warm and, and cuddly inside and, and all that kind of shit. It's, it's a lovely tonic after listening to um black metal all week. So. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it, it's it's so beautifully produced as well from a nerdy point of view, that helps the whole kind of vibe going on with it. So, yeah. So if we take anything from this week, it's that. Um, Adam, thank you for uh, for coming on again. 
when you're uh, sorry, thanks, a, bit rough, a bit rotten and, and whatnot. Yeah. And still, uh, you know, giving us your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed. Next week, yeah, um, coming on. Next week, we hope to have uh, another guest. I, I won't say who at the minute because I'm not, not entirely sure if, if it will happen, but hopefully it will. Really, hopefully it will, because if it does, it'll be a really good one. Um, so if it does, look forward to that. I will, uh, I'll post all over social media this week about it once it's confirmed. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, hopefully it's been, it's been interesting. It's, it's quite hard to talk about Norway, I think, without spending the entire time talking about Blackmore, which we pretty, have, pretty much have. Mm. But, you know, like, like Adam said, it's, um, it's one of the most important forms of metal that have happened, certainly in the 90s and over history, because it's, it's something completely out there that nothing else compares to. So it's well worth talking about. But, yeah, thank you, gents. You can all go back to, uh, to recovering from sickness now. Uh, just, uh, some, just call, call David Draymond for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, we'll uh yeah. We'll, we'll catch you all next week. Catch you later. Cheers. Yeah.